John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 31. Okay, then it says here, uh, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. That was a great, great question. Uh, the difference between being saved and being a Christian is big. Just because you are saved does not make you a Christian. Do you understand? Salvation is salvation. It's understanding that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for your sins and rose again and you received him as personal Lord and Savior. But that does not make you a Christian. The word Christian means Christ one or a Christ follower. It talks about being active in your walk with him. So some people may get their get out of hell free card, but they may not walk with God. They may not have taken them as their personal Lord and Savior. They just want to get out of where it's hot. You know what I'm saying? And so it's important to understand this. If you are a disciple of Christ, you got to prove it. If you are a disciple of Christ, you got to prove it. And that's going to be reflected in the way that you live your life. He says, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples. But then he goes on in verse 32 and he talks about a couple of the benefits that come from being his disciple, that come from continuing in his word. Number one, he says in verse 32, ye shall know the truth. Ye shall know the truth. How do you spot a lie? By knowing what the truth is. That's how you spot a lie. When you know what the truth is, that is the best way for you to combat what is not true. And so if you do not know what's true, then what's going to happen? That makes you susceptible to error. That makes you susceptible to being led astray. That makes you susceptible to false doctrine and, and false teachings. And we don't want that to happen. But if you know the truth, you can check that and say, I don't know. I don't know if that's quite right. But look at the second thing that he says in there. <clears throat> he says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. Talking about that freedom that comes with being a child of God is going to be uh, one of the big themes that goes along with, um, it's going to be one of the big themes that goes along with what we talk about tonight is being free in Christ. And we're going to talk about what that means uh, here in a second. If you're my disciple, you continue in my word and you, you're my disciple, then you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. All right, verse 33. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed. Here we go again. We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? You know, we still, it's funny when I see stuff like that, because I look in life today, and I still see it happening. I'm not a sinner. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not what makes me, you know, I'm a good person, blah, 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 blah. And so here we see them again doing what they've been doing for eight chapters now. Throwing their spiritual resume in God's face. God, I'm good enough because I've done this. Or God, I'm good enough because um, I've done that. And so they say, hey, we were never in bondage. How are we going to be made free if we were never in bondage? And so Jesus Christ so graciously is going to explain that to them. Verse 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Period. If you commit a sin today, you have served sin. That's what you've done. Point blank. If you commit a sin, you are a servant to it. So if you've done it, that's it. And so he's like, you're not perfect. 
You think you're perfect. You think because you're Abraham's seed that that, that that gets you off the hook. And that's not the case. He says, if you're a sinner, if you've sinned, that makes you a sinner. One of the most basic principles of Christianity. Verse 35. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. This is important. The question here is, are you coming into the house or no? Are you coming into the house or no? See, the Bible says that you're either going to be a slave to sin or you're going to be a servant of righteousness. Which one are you going to pick? Someone who is still a slave uh, to sin is not going to be someone that's going to be able to reap the full benefits of being a child of God. It's just not going to fly. Sin does, God does not correlate with sin. As a matter of fact, he turned his back on his only begotten son because he was carrying the sins of the world. It's like water and oil. It does not mix. And so you have to understand that the only way to be a part of the house is to be free from being a slave to sin. And it being able to be free from sin is how you become accustomed or you can become someone who is now a beneficiary of the son. Why? Because he says the, the servant or the slave doesn't abide in the house, but the son abides in the house forever. And so how does the formula go? If the son abides forever in the house and we abide in the son, then are you free? But not while you are a slave to sin. And that's why this is one of my favorite verses um, of all time in John chapter 8. Uh, Verse 36, where he says, if you are free in Christ, you are free indeed. One thing that's beautiful about Christ is he does not save you partially. That's right. He doesn't save you partially. Sanctification doesn't mean, all right, now you're, you got the ball rolling. Let's see how you, how, you, how you pick it up and how you grow from here. And then, Now you can be completely delivered. Now you can be completely free. No, he says, no, you receive me. You step into the house with the son. You become someone who is free Indeed, free from bondage, free from pain, free from, you know, free from the consequences of sin. Um, and that's, that comes from being a child of God. That doesn't mean that you won't go through it sometimes, but the, the way that you respond to it and the way that you react to it and the way that you, uh, what you receive from it completely changes. And so he says, if you're going to come in the house, you got to be free to come in the house. You can't be dwelling with sin and trying to play both sides of the field. Verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. One thing I love about Jesus Christ is he is so straightforward. He is so straightforward. People, it cracks me up because people think that we're just some kumbaya, you know what I'm saying? Sit around and hold hands around the campfire and just, no, Jesus Christ was a no-nonsense individual. And so they came to him with some nonsense. And so what did he do? Let me clarify your nonsense for you because you obviously don't have this right. You obviously don't have this right. He says, I know that you are Abraham's seed. I know who you are, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. My word hath no place. He says, man, I know who you are, but who you are does not matter if my word is not in you. Church, that's one of the biggest problems with traditionalism. I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, non-denominational, Pentecostal, uh, whatever it may be. Anybody can occupy a building like we talked about last week but that does not make you a part of the body that does not make you a part of the body I, I hate to say it but you can come to church three times a week pay your tithe bring your King James Bible look wear your Sunday best and that don't mean jack if you're not saved that doesn't mean anything at all and so he says man I don't care who you, who you are I don't care it's like we say you can't ride on the 
the coattails of those who've come before you. I can't, I can't run this ministry based on the seven pastors who came before me. You can't survive off grandma's faith. It's not, not, not going to work. He says, I don't care who seed you are. My word does not abide in you. And that's what your problem is. That's your dilemma is that you don't realize that my word has no place in you. And that's the reason why you're seeking to kill me. Remember, they're, trying to, they're still trying to find ways to take Jesus Christ's life. Trying to kill him. And he's like, if, if you were Abraham's seed, you wouldn't be doing this. My word has no place in you. Verse 38. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen of your father. Now, if you have the same Bible that I've got, you're going to see that father is used twice in this word, in this, in this verse. But there's something different about each one of them. Brother Greg, what's the difference? One's capital and one's not. Yeah. I speak that which I have seen with my capital F, Father. And ye do that which ye have seen with your father. So remember how a second ago I told you that Jesus Christ was not some kumbaya little, you know, pansy? He's going to get right down in their business right now. Right now. He says, I follow God. I, I do what my father has told me to do. You, you follow your father. Verse 39. <clears throat> Verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. So now he's going to kind of throw their spiritual resume right back in their face. All right. So y'all want to talk about Abraham so bad. Let's talk about him. He says, if you really were of Abraham's seed, you would be operating so much differently than you are now. If you really were Abraham's seed, you would be doing the works of Abraham. Verse 40. But now seek ye to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. He said, man. What? <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> he says. Well, he says, this is not what Abraham did. This is not what Abraham did. Um, Benaiah, I love you. Could you grab that cup over there and get me some water from the fountain? Appreciate it. You seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. He said, man, Abraham, if you guys want to claim Abraham so much, Abraham followed me. When Abraham was told... God told Abraham, get up and go to a place that I, don't, that I haven't called you to before, a place that you don't know. And I want you to just walk until I tell you to stop. And what does the Bible say? Did Abraham dispute it? No. Did Abraham ask God why? No. The Bible says the next morning that Abraham got up and he packed up his house and he went. He says Abraham was obedient. Abraham understood the truth and he understood what it meant to be truthful um, in me. He says that's what Abraham would have done. That's not what you guys are doing. Verse 41. Ye do the deeds of your father, lowercase f, right? Then said they to him, we be born, we be not born of fornication. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. You drink some of my water? Okay. <laughs> that hallway's hot. So I don't know, you probably got halfway to the door and was like, oh, I'm thirsty. <laughs> All right. Then said they to him, verse 41, be not born... We be, uh, be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So you see the difference there? Jesus Christ said, you do the deeds of your father, verse 41, lowercase f. Then they said to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, capital F, right. 
even God. So they're saying, no, 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 no. We have a father and that father, that father is God. That father is God. That's what we follow. And so Jesus Christ is going to dispute that here in a second. And Jesus saying, said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he that sent me. So he says, if that were true, if you guys are following the correct father, if that were true, you would love me. Why would you love me? Because I was sent by him. I was sent by him. So that's a reoccurring theme we see happening in the book of John. If you really knew God, if you really knew, uh, if you really knew God, if you really knew the law, if you really knew the scripture, we would not be in this mess. Do you realize that if they really just got it together, we would skip like 20 chapters of John? Like 20 chapters of, God, of John would be obsolete because they would have gotten the concept that Jesus Christ is, 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 is God and he's here doing God's work and they, and they, keep, they keep fighting on that. If that was true, if you really followed God, you would love me and you would see that I was sent by him. Verse 43, why do ye not understand my speech even because ye cannot hear my word? So he's, we see this happening where these keep going over his head. It's going over their heads. They're not really grasping it. And he said, you don't understand what I'm telling you because you don't hear me. You don't hear me because you're not of me. You're not of me because you're not of my father. You see the way that he set that up for them? He says, if you don't, you don't understand what I'm saying to you, and you don't understand because you don't hear me. You don't hear me because you're not of me. You're not of me because you're not of my father. Because if you were of my father, we would have been cut from the same cloth. We would have had a whole different conversation than we're having right now. Church, can I chase a little rabbit? Why can't you hear him? Why can't you hear him? I get that question to me all the time. How do you hear the voice of God? I'm asking you, how, why can't you? What's going on? And you ain't really going to have to ask yourself way back in what we talked about here in verse 31. He says, man, if you are my disciples and you'll do what I see, you'll follow my word, you'll keep my commandments, you'll, you'll, you'll live a life that seeks to honor and glorify me. The more you seek to honor and glorify God, the more you seek his kingdom first, the more you strive to be more like him, the more you understand his language. The more you understand his language, if you're not spending any time with God, there's no way you're going to be able to understand him. If you don't seek to understand, there's no way you're going to understand him. And the truth is, it, it creates a cycle of insanity where we don't put in the effort that we need to get to know God so we can't hear God. And so we go ahead and just forsake God because God's not speaking to us. Right. And he gave us the formula here. He says, man, you don't hear me. You don't understand what I'm saying because you don't hear me. You don't hear me because you're not of me. And you're not of me because you're not of my father. And that's the key, one of the key things here that's mentioned. Verse 44. Year of your father, the devil. Woo! That would hurt my feelings, y'all. I was waiting for him to say it because I, I was reading this passage and I'm waiting for him to say, who's your father? Who is their father? You keep saying that you're not of me. You're of your own father. Who is that? He says, man... Year of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of, him, of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Whoo! Imagine somebody coming to you and being like, man, you don't worship God, you worship the devil. That would hurt me. Listen to me. The Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 
that a pastor is not supposed to be a brawler or a striker, but y'all want to have to roll my sleeves up for that one. Like, that's offensive. That's offensive. He says, who's your father then? Your father is the devil. And you'll lust after things you're not supposed to because that's what your father did. I will be like the most high, right? That's what he says. And I will do this and I will do that. You'll lust after the things that your father did because that's what he did. He was a murderer from the beginning. And guess what's happening now, church? What are they trying to do? Someone tell me. They're trying to murder him. So they're two for two right now. They're batting strong. What else did he say? He did not abide in truth. And what are they doing right now? Not abiding in truth. Not abiding in truth. So they're three for three right now. He is a liar and speaks it because they belong to him. And what are they out here? What are they out here doing and what are they going to do? They're going to send an innocent man to the cross for nothing. He blasphemes, did he? Batting four for four, man. Batting four for four. They're, 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 they're shooting 100% from the line right now. And he says, listen to me. You are doing just what your father did. You're doing just what the devil did. I mean, you, y'all don't want me to say that, but that's, that's what's happening. Verse 45. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Imagine that. Someone only believing you if you lie to them. Wow. Wow, doesn't matter. You won't believe me anyway. Verse 46. This kind of shocked me. He said, which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? So he says, he kind of gives him an ultimatum. He says, which one of y'all are going to call me a liar? Which of you are going to say, or which of you are going to convict me of sin right now? Oh, what's that? None of you? Then how come you're not believing my truth then? Sit here and look me in the eyes and call me a liar. Nobody's going to call me a liar? Then why is nobody abiding in the truth that I'm giving you? He says, if you can't call me a liar, then why not accept the truth? Why not accept the truth if you can't call me a liar? We don't see based on scripture that anyone said anything. No one said a thing to him. He's still talking for the rest of this chapter. For the rest of this this passage that we're looking at, Jesus Christ is the only one continuing in, in this discourse. They don't say another word to him. If I'm lying, tell me I'm lying. No one said that. So if not, why not? Why don't you believe me? Why don't you believe the truth? Verse 47. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because you're not of God. He says, so no one's going to call me a liar? Then what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that you either got to, number one, outright reject the truth. Or you can't because you don't hear me. You can't receive the truth because you don't hear me because you're not of me. So which one is it? You're either outright defiant or you're blind. Which one is it? And no one answers. You would hear me, but you don't because you're not of me. And that's a very scary thing to say. I got four takeaways from you, church. And we're going to go home. Y'all ready? Number one. Are you a disciple or are you just saved? Huh? Are you a disciple or are you just saved? Because sadly, even in a room this size, there's going to be two lines. There's a one line that separates two groups of people. There are people in here that are just saved, asterisk, maybe. And then there's the other half that's actually trying to pursue a relationship and a walk with God. 
I want you to think to yourself, which one of those do you fall under? Why are you here? Why are you at Bible study tonight? Why are you reading your Bible? Why do you pray? Why do you do what you feel like you're supposed to do? What's your motives behind that? If it's to please me, you're wrong. That's error. If it's because you're afraid of what the church might say about you if you're not here, it's the wrong reason. Are you in an active pursuit of Christ or not? Because even Baptists do something that Catholics do. Profess but don't practice. Profess but don't practice. Which one are you? That's important for you to think about. Now listen to me. On paper, salvation is just salvation. You could honestly, you could honestly get saved, never pick up a Bible, never step foot in a church, never come to anything, never do anything church related ever again in your life. But if you really, if you really wanted, if you really meant what you did, you, you know, you confessed with your mouth and you believed in your heart. And that's the only time you ever did anything church related, period. That's enough. But what makes it difficult for me is that you will never, ever, 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 ever see in Scripture where someone came to Christ, came to a receiving knowledge of Christ and walked away and did the same things that they did before. You don't see it. Not one time. Not one time. The only time that I saw somebody come and do the work of God and walk away was Demas. Right? And what does it say? Demas has forsaken me. Why? Loving this present world. People walk away. But, it's, but you have to understand is that there's no way for you to, for someone who comes to know Christ and knows him fully, it will drive them to want to be more like him. It will want them to, to feel broken when they miss their devotions. It will break them when, they, when they're not taking part of the assembly. It, it, it'll break them when they forget to spend time in prayer. It'll break them when they'll get convicted during the sermons. It's, it's this fruit. There's fruit. It's not, it's not guilt. It's brokenness. It says, God, I love you and I want to please you. And it hurts me that I'm not doing that. There's a difference. If that does not exist in your life, then I would strongly, strongly scrutinize yourself. And say, if I really believe what I professed, then it should administer change to me. It should, it should bring forth a change in my life. It should bring forth a change. And that's the truth. Are you a disciple or are you just saved? Or that third option, are you not? You got to really ask yourself those questions. Number two. I said, number one, are you a disciple or, or are you just saved? Number two, make sure you're actually in pursuit of the truth. Make sure that you are actually in pursuit of the truth. What do you mean, Pastor? What I'm trying to say is that there are people who don't necessarily want the truth from God. They want a stamp of approval. I don't want you to give me honest direction, God. I want to do, some, I want to do stuff, and I want you to give me the peace to do it, even if it's not what you want me to do. Are you actually in pursuit of truth? I am dogmatic on the fact that God is truth. I am dogmatic on the fact that God says being a disciple is how you find truth. And how you find truth makes you free. The truth is that this. We love being in bondage. As people, we love being in bondage. Bondage is restricting. Bondage is something that holds us back. But why do we rock with it? Because it's, we're comfortable in it. Why? Because it's convenient. 
It's convenient. It's like whatever requires me to do the, the road, to go on the road less traveled, so to speak. Whatever, whatever, whatever allows us to just do the easiest thing is what we do, even if it's bad for us. Even if it's bad for us. You're going to have to decide if you're actually in pursuit of truth or are you just doing what's convenient. And nine times out of ten, church, what's convenient is not going to be godly. What's convenient is not going to be godly because everything in this life is set up to pull you away from God. Everything. Everything. If I'm not careful, Kalea will pull me away from God. If I'm not careful, this church will pull me away from God. Like you, you got to understand the enemy of the good thing is of the of the best thing is not the bad thing; it's the good thing. Does that make sense? The enemy of the best thing is not the bad thing; it's the good thing. The thing that looks good, the, the thing that you settle for, is usually what gets us. We settle for God's permissive will versus His perfect will for her. God has a perfect will for every single person in this room. God has a perfect will for everyone that listens on this podcast later. God has a perfect will for you. But so many Christians who settle for what God has secondary for us. Hence, if we fall off and say, God says, well, that's not what I want for you, but I'll allow it. And we settle for that. We settle for that. And that shouldn't be how it is. Number one, are you a disciple or are you saved? Number two, make sure you're actually in pursuit of truth. Number three, you can't receive the benefits of the Son as long as you're still a slave to sin. You cannot receive the benefits of the Son as long as you are still living the lifestyle of a slave to sin. Romans 6 asks us a profound question. It says this, Who are you yielding your members to? I want you to think about this today, church. Who did you yield your members to today? If you, could, if you could grade your spirituality today on how you did this morning, how you did this afternoon, how you did tonight, how would you grade yourself? Would you say that today I, I, I drew another step closer to Christ or did I fall backwards? Who did you yield your members to? Because the truth is, who you yield your members to is a case-by-case instance. I'm right here with, right now with y'all. And I'm in the word and we're doing the word stuff and we have in church, but I could walk out of here and sin. And in the same night, I yielded my membership, my members to Christ and I yielded my members to sin. What does that mean? Is that we got to get out of the out of the mindset that it's just a one time thing. No, who you yield your members to are is, 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 is captive in every single element of your life, every single element of your day. Too many Christians are riding the fence and they wonder why they aren't seeing any growth. The question is this. If Christ died to make us free, why are so many of us still living in bondage? If God bankrupted heaven for us, why are so many of us still living in bondage? That should not be the case. Number one, are you a disciple or are you just saved? Number two, make sure you're actually in pursuit of truth. Actually in pursuit of truth. Number three, you can't receive the benefits of the son as long as you are still a slave to sin. Number four, and here's the honest question, the money, the money question for the night. Who do you follow? Who's your father? Is it the capital F or the lowercase f? 
And you may say, Pastor, it's obviously the uppercase F, but is it really that obvious? Is it really that obvious? What kind of life do you portray? Are you the kind of person where someone senses that something is different about you because of your demeanor, because of the way that you present yourself? You don't have to even say you're a Christian. Someone just knows that there's a difference. Or are you one of the people that they got to search for the mud for? They got to find that diamond in the rough. You know that if someone has to search for your walk, you've already done the damage. You ever thought about that? If someone has to wonder whether or not your statements, and you know what's funny? This is what I, this is what I found out, is that there's a lot of people who've even told me this. I'm afraid to tell my friends I'm a Christian, not because I'm ashamed, but because I've already done so many things that would make them not believe me. I would hurt the testimony of Christ for them to know. How awful is that? How awful is that? When I'm out and about, y'all, I don't make people uncomfortable. I don't say, you know, the, the world, I expect the world to act like the world. You know what I'm saying? So stuff may bother me, but I'm like, it's the world. That's what I expect. You know what I'm saying? But you know what happens? People know that my faith is important to me. They know that I seek to live it. I was at the ASC today with Brother Mike. I came late. I was running errands. I was at zoning. I was meetings today. You know, I, I got to preach at Tabernacle today. Someone got, someone, uh, I, they're having a, a school revival, back to school revival. And um, I got to preach the first day of the revival today. And some like 15 kids got saved today, y'all. It was Amen. crazy. Amen. This one girl comes, after, comes up to me and she tugs on me. And I say, hey, hey how you doing? Um, she says, hi, my name's Shania. And I wanted you to know that I got saved today. Oh, it's one of the most precious things ever. Today was nuts. I'm running around doing my thing, but I got to um, Seminole State College is like 10 minutes away from where Kalea works and Miss Tina, where they work. And so um, I usually stop by there and hang out, do homework and stuff, and then I pick Kalea up. We go home since I threw my car into someone else's car and we only have one. So besides the point, all right? And I sat down. I wasn't there two minutes. And someone walked out and said, hey, pastor. And it was something, and it's one of those things where people will curse and they'll say, oh, excuse me. It's one of those people that say, oh, I shouldn't talk like that. I don't mean to. And I'm like, no, you're fine. You know, I'm, it's the world. I expect the world to be the world. But what kind of presence do you draw? And I'm not trying to say that I'm holier than thou because Lord knows I am not. And your boy got all kinds of struggles that I have to face and crucify every single day. So that's not what I'm saying, but... I can say that I'm intentional about my faith. And you're going to know who I serve. And you're going to know what kind, of life to, uh, what kind of life I live. I don't want you to have to guess. I want you to know. And then I want my actions and my attitude and my demeanor. And by the way, that keeps you in check. If people know that you're a child of God, they're going to hold you to a higher standard. <clears throat> you should be thankful for that. It's called accountability. You probably could use some. But I digress. Who do you follow? The devil, right? Lies, murder, deceiver, bondage. Are you in any of that? By the way, you don't even have to uh, commit the act. The Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. By the way, hatred is as murder. That's what the Bible says. Who you follow. And the devil, there was lies and there's murder, there's deceit, there's bondage. And God was freedom. There's truth. 
there's holistic living. There's a pursuit of him. You have to ask yourself, who do you actually resemble? My father's name is Nathaniel Small Jr. And I didn't meet him until I was 18 years old. And all my life, I would hear, you look just like your daddy. You look just like your daddy. And that made me mad because I didn't like him. I didn't know him. I had all kinds of bitterness and resentment. Y'all, the first time I saw that man, I said, whoa. He could not deny me if he wanted to. I mean, all my brothers, we just all look alike. And I'm like, wow, that hurts how much we look alike. Resemble him strongly. Church, you know what your goal should be? Your goal should be that when you look in the mirror, you don't see yourself. Your goal should be that when you look in the mirror, you don't see failure. Your goal should be when you look in the mirror, you don't see junk. Your goal should be to look in the mirror and see Jesus. But guess what I'm talking about, church? Y'all thought I was talking about the mirror in your bathroom. I was talking about this one. I was talking about this one. You know the one where the Bible says that as you read the word, it's like looking, beholding your face in a natural glass. And he walks away forgetting whatsoever man he was. I'm not trying to be like that. See, that's why a, a big reason why people don't want to spend time in the word. You know why? Because it's going to force them to get a good look at who they are. And the Bible will expose you. The Bible will show you who you are. This word, and the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Not only patient to the deciding of bone and marrow, but also to the soul and spirit. People don't want to read the word because they're afraid that it'll show them what they actually look like. What's the, pro- what's the point of it? You have to get to the point where you cognitively believe that you are a part of that chosen generation that God called you to be. He said you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That's what he calls you. And if that's the case, you've got to start acting like it. You've got to start acting like it. <clears throat> I'll never forget the day, and I'm done, y'all. i never forget the day I saw a video, and it was, one of the, it was the Queen of England. And she's sitting there in her dress and her nice white gloves. And she's sitting there, she's eating a burger. She's eating a burger, right? And she gets this big, juicy burger, right? And she bites into it, and of course, you know how those, how those good burgers are, and you know, uh, the, the juices are all flowing down, and there's ketchup flowing out the side and all kinds of stuff. And it was just messy. And it was hilarious because in our minds we have a social pact that says the queen should look like X. Right? She should maybe be eating lean meats and asparagus. You know, and the finest duck that you can find. And using a knife and fork and having a cake knife. And you you know how it is. You use one fork for everything. You just, uh, and just get something else. You know what I'm saying? But you expect the queen to be one certain way. Why? Because she's a queen. That makes me a hypocrite. Because God said, I've called you to be joint heirs with Christ. You, if, you, if you become adopted into the family of God, you become royalty. So why aren't you acting like it? Who's your father? Who's your father? Let's pray.